Hi there, I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 189. And today... This is a catch-up episode because you probably realize that it has been many, many months since my last episode. Maybe you're even surprised that I'm back. Well, I'm surprised. Yes, I thought my podcasting days were over. And then this morning, there was a message in my community inbox from Sabelle. So many beautiful and encouraging words. And Sabelle asked, will you be making any more podcasts? And my first thought was, no, I finished with podcasting. I haven't got anything more to say. But as the hours passed, the thought has been going over and over in my mind. Perhaps I will get out my mic and at least make another episode. So that's what I'm doing. I'm sitting here in front of my mic for the first time since I made episode 188, which was called It's Not For Me. You might remember that my daughter Imogen joined me for that episode. So maybe you were thinking and maybe I was thinking, podcasting isn't for me. It isn't for me any longer. Well, I don't know if it is, but I'm going to record something and we'll see how we go. Yes, I'm feeling a little bit rusty here. I'm out of my regular routine of making episodes and hey, what do I do next? Well, I've got a list of things that I would like to talk about. So so I am a little bit organized. We'll see how it goes, as I said. So what's been happening in our world? Well, you might know that we live in Australia and at the moment, large areas of Australia are locked down again, especially in our state of New South Wales. Yes, we're living the lockdown life again. This is our second big lockdown. Uh, We were locked down last year, starting around March, and we thought that was bad. And I guess that's because it was all new. We were in a situation that we could never have imagined being put into. Yes, somebody taking away our freedom, somebody saying, you have to stay at home. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't even hug people anymore. It did seem rather bad, but this time... It feels worse. Uh, It feels more hopeless, I think, because last time we thought, look, it'll be for 14 days. All right, it's going to be longer than that, three months. All right, by the time spring comes, life will be normal again. Well, that didn't happen, but maybe by Christmas, by Christmas, we'll be back to normal. And this time... We don't know when life will be back to normal, if it will ever be normal again. Also, I think the restrictions are harsher than last time. We we were allowed to have visitors last time. This time we're not. Uh, We were allowed to leave home for more reasons last time. This time, 
Yes, we're only supposed to go out for some exercise and to do essential shopping. This time, there are less shops open. This time, there are no hairdressers open. Oh, that's sad. I'm becoming a little bit shaggy. I'll speak a bit more about that later. This time, we have the vaccine issue. Should we vaccinate or not? Should the government be allowed to force us to get the vaccination? Oh, it's a whole lot more complicated this time around. Uh, yes, less, less hope. What do we do? Will the things that the government are putting in place actually help? It seems to me that everything that we are forced to do doesn't make much sense. People are grasping at straws. And this is very difficult to um, deal with when we have no say. And this leads me on to some thoughts about kids and how they must feel when they have no control over their lives. Because we don't have any control over our lives at the moment. How do kids feel when not just for day after day, week after week, month after month, uh, they're under somebody else's control, but when they're under somebody else's control for all of their childhoods. Yes, they, they must feel helpless. Do they actually get to a state where their mental health is affected? These are thoughts that I've been pondering Sometimes when parents want kids to do something, they will say, and the kids say, why do I have to do that? And the parent will reply, because I said so. And to the child, that doesn't make much sense, does it? There's no good reason in the child's eyes to do what the parent said. They can't understand. They're not being listened to. And that's how I'm feeling at the moment. You know, people are saying, you have to do this, you have to do that. Why? Well, they give a reason, but the reason doesn't make much sense. Uh, so that we get back to zero COVID. Well, that's not going to happen. So that we get to a state where our hospitals aren't overloaded with COVID cases. So that we can protect the health of people. But sometimes the reasoning behind the restrictions, I, it, yeah, it doesn't make much sense. Will the restrictions actually lead to those outcomes? I doubt it very much sometimes. So how, do, how does the government enforce restrictions when the people can't see the logic in the restrictions? Well, the government uses the same tactics that parents use when they try to control kids. They either offer rewards, or they offer punishments, or they shame people. So at the moment, we're called idiots if we protest against the restrictions. The government and a big part of the media will look down upon people who are questioning, who only want answers, who want a conversation about the restrictions, who want to be listened to. Yes, 
people are called idiots. They're they're shut down. They're told they don't care about fellow people. Are they heart? They're heartless, and they're made to look stupid. So nobody wants to open their mouths because they'll be shamed, shamed in a big way. Or, as our government is doing at the moment, to get people to cooperate, they're offering rewards. Look, if you do this, you'll get some of your freedoms back. You'll be allowed to have a few visitors. You'll be allowed to go on a picnic. And I think, how did we ever get to the state where our rights are being offered to us back as rewards? Surely there's something wrong here. Or we're punished. You refuse to abide by the restrictions, or you protest, and you get fined. Fines are huge. Only the rich can afford to protest. So the government is acting, yeah, in a very similar way to how a parent might control a child. I find this very, very difficult. And when I try to talk about it, I say, surely people should be allowed to take responsibility for their own actions. Surely people will do the right thing because they feel um, a sense of responsibility. They'll stay away from other people if they're sick, uh, if they don't want to put themselves, if they are afraid of getting the virus, surely they'll isolate themselves without anybody telling them. And I'm told, well, see, that's not realistic. People won't do the right thing. And then I think, why won't people do the right thing? And it's, I think, because people haven't been brought up that way to take responsibility for their actions. Uh, they've always been told what to do as children, and people are still telling them what to do as adults. Yeah, it's very difficult to talk about these sort of things because you get shouted down. But perhaps it's okay to express opinions in the unschooling world. Maybe other people understand. Maybe other people are feeling as frustrated as I am. I mentioned mental health in regard to children do we, ever, do we ever consider how our, our actions affect our kids mentally? How controlling kids and them feeling helpless leads to a stage of them being in a poor mental health situation? Well, I understand that more now because that's how I've been feeling. When you feel helpless, you feel stressed out, you feel there's nothing you can do, your mental health yeah, is affected. Mental health is poor. And I've been finding life very, very difficult. And this has affected the things that I am capable of doing. And one of those things is our unschooling community. And I was thinking a few weeks ago, I can't do this anymore. I haven't been blogging and I haven't been podcasting, as you know. Perhaps I can, can't even keep going with the community. Perhaps it's time to find out whether somebody else would like to take it on or close it down completely because I just can't cope. So I wrote a post for the community and expressed my feelings of 
of you know having difficult times about how I can't do it my feelings of inadequacy maybe my frustrated feelings of the feeling that I'm not doing a good job anymore and I asked for some help would anybody like to take over the community would anybody like to become a host and we got talking as a community and it seems that people love the community well, there is a group of people there that love it. Of course, with any group, there are those people who join and then decide it's not for them and they don't participate for for very long. But there is a core group of people who love the community and they don't want to see it go. And a few people volunteered their help. And we have two new co-hosts, Aaron and Noel. And even if, I could do everything by myself. I feel having co-hosts has improved the community. New ideas are being expressed. New ideas are being put into action. It's not all just about me. The more people we have involved, the better really, because everybody has good ideas. And so I was thinking, I will... I will pass on the skills that I have, show people how the community runs, uh, pass on any skills that are needed, and then I would slip away. Um, Yes, have a transition period, because Noelle and Erin, and a few other people like Miranda and Shelley, uh, they are quite capable of running the community without me, and it will probably be even better. But then I realized that I need the community. Yes, I set it up for other people to encourage and support anybody who is interested in unschooling because we all need a tribe, don't we? And I can pass on my experiences and my encouragement and support people, answer questions and all that. And though Erin and Noel can do that very adequately without me, maybe I need the community more than the community needs me. These people in the community have become my friends and not just acquaintance type friends, but close friends. They're my tribe. And at the moment, they're supporting me. And so I said, I would like to stick around if that's okay. Um, Yeah, pass on a lot of the work, but be there for my own sake as well as contributing. And that seems to be okay. Everybody likes that idea. But one thing I am doing more actively in the community is running the Unschool Plus group, and that's our premium group for everybody who is contributing financially uh, to the community um, so it stays online because there are a lot of expenses involved with operating such things as podcasts, blogs and communities and yes so I'm hosting that group and I'm posting in there fairly regularly I'm posting such things that I would normally post on my blog article type posts with photos the occasional vlog I'm doing an audio version of my book Curious and Schoolers that I'm posting in parts that Unschool Plus members can download and listen to. I'm posting unschooling challenges. You might have heard about those. 
ideas on, on ways that we can all make unschooling a reality in our lives. Turn ideas into something practical. So I'm enjoying that. Yeah, putting most of my effort into Unschool Plus. So I said I'm posting blog post type articles with photos. And that leads me on to the next thing that's on my list. Photos. I've been taking a lot of photos recently. You might know that I enjoy photography. Uh, photography is one thing that I can do during the lockdown. And it's been a good thing to do because it gets me out in the few places that I'm allowed to go. I'm allowed to go for works. Uh, I walk the dogs. I'm allowed to go for some exercise. I can take my camera along with me. I sometimes stop in places in town like the lake on my way back from uh, taking my daughter Gemma Rose to work. It's not going out of my way, so I can stop by and exercise by walking around the lake or along the riverbank and take photos at the same time. So it's one thing I can do, and it's one thing that's helping during the lockdown because I'm searching out all the beautiful things that are still in our world because the lockdown world can get very depressing. Uh, yes, I want life to go back to normal, to do normal things, but it's not possible. But I can take photos and I can walk. And so I've been doing a lot of those things. And while I've been doing photography, I have been trying to improve my skills. Now you might know that I used to have a photography buddy, my daughter Sophie, who's also passionate about photography. We used to go on outings together, take photos of each other. Um, I used to copy a lot of Sophie's ideas. She used to have, well, she does have a very good art artistic eye. She sees shots that sometimes I miss. And then when we'd come home, we'd get out our laptops, um, take our photos over to Lightroom and do some editing. And I would get stuck. I would say, oh, there's something wrong with this photo, Sophie. And I would show her and I would pass over my computer and I would say, could you fix it up for me, please? And she would do that. But she's no longer here. And for a long time, I didn't go on any photography outings. I didn't really want to. I felt lost without my buddy. I thought I'd take photos of people and scenery and taking photos of just landscapes or flowers or whatever just seemed boring to me. I didn't want to do it and I didn't want to go out alone. I would have no one to discuss various ideas. Yeah, it just didn't seem attractive. And then I thought after a while, I have to accept the situation that I'm in. I have to make the most of it. And I began to stretch myself. Instead of dismissing things like landscape photography, I started watching YouTube videos about um, this topic. And I got re-inspired and I thought I can make landscape photography uh, a passion. I can make, I can try and take good landscape photos. And I got my camera and started going out with different lenses, wide angle, normal lenses, uh, 
lenses that take close-ups of flowers and things. I've got a few lenses with my camera. And I started using my equipment more and putting ideas into action and having fun again with my photography. So I've, that's what I've been learning about. And then I've been doing still life photography as well, putting things together at home, uh, pot plants. And um, one day I got some saucepans and a knife and an onion and a wooden bird and made a, a still life setting and then kept swapping between all my lenses as I took photos from different angles. And later I edited them all and discovered that most of them were rubbish, but that was okay. I learned a lot from doing that. And so I've been discovering new, um, oh, what would you say? Not a new passion, because photography is still a passion, but new aspects to that passion, new ways of doing it, improving my skills. And then instead of posting my photos on social media, such as Instagram, because I no longer have an account, I've been using my photos uh, with blog posts, well, not blog posts as such, but community posts. Sometimes they inspire me with things that I want to write about, such as my last one. I wrote a post yesterday called um, to, to Want or to Need, I think. We learn when we want we learn when we want to know something and we also learn when we have a need. And so do kids. This is what motivates us to go out there and learn new things. And my photography is a good example of that. I've also been emailing and messaging some photos off to people and I think why didn't I do this sooner? Why did I just put them on social media and expect family and friends to come to social media to look at them? It's much more personal to email off a few photos to a friend or to a family member and add a few words about the photo. Yes, it's m much more of a gift, I think, to do that than just to say, hey, I posted about my day on social media. Go over and have a look at, in at Instagram or Facebook. Yes, why didn't I do that before? It, um, it's the wonderful way of communicating with those people who are important to you. And it doesn't really matter, does it, how many people see your photo, as long as the right people see them. We do things for the important people in our lives. Well, that's the way it should be. And at the moment, the important people in my lives are the people, my family, my friends, of course, and the people in our unschooling community. And so that's why I'm making this podcast for Sabelle. And also because it's good to get some feedback and encouragement. Sabelle was reminding me of a podcast that I made. Um, I think we're talking about the same one. I was thinking of this podcast that I made at the beginning of the lockdown last year. Uh, one where I was talking about how I'm too nice. I do all these things for other people and I never get any feedback about it. I might post blog posts, make podcasts, offer um, membership to a community, offer free uh, copies of my books. And at the time, 
I just felt like I was putting stuff out there and people maybe were taking advantage of it, but I didn't, I wouldn't hear anything back. And it wasn't so much a thank you that I was looking for, but reassurance that what I was doing was helpful. Because why keep producing stuff if you don't know whether it's helping anyone? I could have been wasting my time. And it was during the lockdown, uh, during that time where we were adjusting to a new way of life and there was all sorts of stresses and my kids were out of work and all that. And so I guess it was a time where I was more inclined to speak my feelings and say, hey, I'm fed up at doing this, doing this, all this work for people that I never hear back from. And I need to do other things. I need to go and spend time doing things for the more important people in my life, the most important people, my family. Yeah, so it does make a difference if people say something. Um, not just for podcasting and blog posts and such like, but everybody in our family, people that we're in communication with. Uh, say hello to people, say thank you for the things other people are doing for us, say we appreciate them, that we love them, and don't just expect other people to know that. Yes, we can spread a lot of joy just by a simple message, a photo, um, an email saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. A video message. And I'm going to talk about video messages right at the end of my um, this podcast episode because that's on my list. But before I get there, um, yes, what's the next thing? I'll work my way down in order and I won't get lost. Video games. That's the next thing. I've been playing video games. I've rather surprised myself. And it's been wonderful. I've learned such a lot. It's been a, an escape as well from the lockdown and all the problems of the world. And our kids, I think, sometimes do that. They escape into their worlds. And I think kids sometimes need to do that. And I think I've needed to do that. And um, when we do that, is that okay? Um, should we stay in the world, deal with the problems? Are we wasting our time on things that don't matter? Well, I think that I've got a lot out of video game playing and it's not a waste of time at all. Uh, there are times, yes, when we need to retreat and why not play games where we're in control of our video game worlds and at the same time we're learning, we're improving our thinking skills, we're communicating with other people, whatever you know, whatever the game we're playing, whatever the advantages are, there are lots of them. What I want to do next is I wrote a blog post. It was the very last blog post that I posted on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. And I thought that I would share that with you next. Because instead of just repeating all the things that I've learned, yeah, I'll share the post. The post is called What I Discovered When I Became a Video Gamer. I've been playing a lot of video games recently. If I were a child, my parents might be worried about me. Are you still playing that game? Isn't it time you did something else? How about going outside and getting some exercise? I have been outside. 
I've spent a lot of time recently taking photos of our favorite places, looking for the beauty in our once again lockdown world. And I've been active, working out and walking our dogs, Nora and Quinn. But I've also been sitting still, playing games. Retreating into a gaming world has helped me cope with a difficult time. I've always been pro-gaming. I valued my kids' gaming and never imposed time limits on them or said, get off the computer and do something else. But I've never been a gamer myself. Until now. My present activity rather surprises me. Years ago, my kids bought themselves a PlayStation console and the first game they played was A Bug's Life. One evening, they asked if I'd like to have a go, and I said no, but they insisted, so I took hold of the controls. But things didn't go well. I just couldn't make the bug jump. It kept falling off the log, or rock, or whatever it was supposed to land on, and I had to keep returning to the start of the level. Because I am stubborn, I sat in front of the screen for hours, trying to move that bug and complete the level. It got late, and my husband and kids went to bed, but I didn't. Sometime in the early hours of the morning, with my head aching, I finally admitted defeat and closed down the game. That night, I didn't get any sleep, because the game kept replaying in my mind. The next day, with my head pounding and my brain feeling like mush, I said I'd never play a video game again. My kids were welcome to play... But games weren't for me. Well, it seems they are for me after all. Maybe I got turned off video games because I started with one that was too difficult for me. Have you ever noticed how we dismiss things that we're not good at? Well, kids might not mind the challenge, but many adults don't like failing. Instead of persisting so that we increase our skills, we'd rather say, that was a load of rubbish and then return to something that makes us feel good. Something we're proficient at. Perhaps for adults, the trick is finding something that challenges us, but also offers us a chance of success. We need some encouragement. So, a bug's life was much too hard, because I didn't have good controller skills. But it was also the wrong kind of game for me. I didn't realise this, but there is a huge range of games available. My kids tell me there's one for everyone. I just needed to find the one that suits me best. After a bit of experimenting, I have decided that games that involve fine movement control are not for me. I also don't like the shoot-them-dead kind. And I hate anything that has a time limit. Game over. You lost. Please try again. I enjoy the puzzle games, the ones where you have to work your way through a world by placing the tiles in the correct order or aligning the pathway in a particular way or building rafts or bridges to get from one island to the next. I've been building bridges and rafts as I've been playing a monster's expedition. I've been playing that game a lot. What are you doing, Mum? Playing a game. The same one? Yes. No one points out that I've been playing this game for hours at a time, day after day. 
I reckon I will get the record for the longest time ever taken to finish this particular game. Sometimes I race from one island to another, but sometimes I get stuck for what feels like forever before I finally solve the puzzle. And occasionally, I have to admit defeat and go look for some help. I've been watching other people playing a monster's expedition, which surprises me. I never thought I'd be a person who enjoys watching YouTube gaming channels. Why watch someone else play a game? That used to sound boring. A waste of time. But now I love settling back and being a witness to someone else's thinking. It's fascinating. And inspiring. After watching a gaming video, I rush back to my own half-completed game and try out a few new ideas that I've picked up. And you know what? I'm getting better. My thinking skills are improving. But they'll have to get a whole lot better if I want to be a gaming YouTuber. Imagine, I could have my own YouTube channel and play games for a living. Yes, people do that. Why couldn't I do it too? Of course, I'd have to attract a big following. To get one, I'd need to keep up an interesting flow of conversation as I play. Be a YouTube personality. Could I appeal to people who have discovered games later in life? And I'd need to play quickly because no one is going to hang around if it takes me half an hour or more to solve a single part of the puzzle. But I do know how to delete video and add transitions so I could cut out the boring bits. No one need know how slow I go. This morning, while I was sharing my latest thoughts about video games with my husband Andy, I had another idea. Could watching someone else play a video game be similar to watching people play chess? Chess championships are huge. The competitors are admired. Their thinking skills are regarded as highly superior. Clever people play chess. And perhaps clever people also play video games. I think I need to work on my skills, exercise my brain and safeguard it from Alzheimer's, increase my creativity so I can write better, be a better thinker so I can solve the problems of my life more easily. I think I'll go play a video game. So that was my story about video gaming. Just recently, the last part of Curious Unschoolers that I recorded as an audio file, that was the part about technology and screen time. So if you're interested in that topic, you can find the file and all the other files that I've recorded so far of my book Curious Unschoolers in Unschool Plus. All right, what's next? Um, yes, my big news. I finished my children's novel, my third children's novel, The Angels of Wallaby Way. Imogen and I were talking about this book in maybe our, our last episode together, but certainly in a few of our episodes that we recorded together before I went missing. And I was updating everybody with the progress of that book. And I am happy to now report 
that the book was finished. I proofread it, Imogen formatted it. I uploaded the files to Amazon. I ordered a proof copy and that proof copy arrived last week. And I was fairly happy with it. It looked good, except the images were a bit dark. Uh, we used color images in the print version. My daughter Charlotte drew the Im images and she made them colored ones. And we did that because we wanted colored pictures for the Kindle version. And then we just thought that we would just change those colored images to, bl to black and white during the printing process. But they turned out to be a bit dark. And I wondered whether I should have taken the colored images and then adjusted them in Lightroom, turned them to black and white myself, and then adjusted all the levels of such things as the highlights and the exposure, uh, the contrast, until the images were a lot lighter and would print better. So I took the time to do that, and then Imogen swapped all the colored images for black and white ones in the print version manuscript, and then I uploaded the updated file to Amazon and then I ordered a second proof copy. I suppose I could have just hit publish then and hoped, I could have hoped that it was okay. But I thought, no, I'm going to do this properly. I've got time. So I ordered the second proof copy last weekend and I heard yesterday that it had been printed and it was, and it is on its way to me. Yesterday evening, it was somewhere in Sydney, so I don't know if it will arrive here today. Under normal circumstances, it would, but the post is slow because of the lockdown. But certainly, it will get here in the next day or two, and if it looks good, which I'm hoping it will, I can then go back to Amazon and hit the publish button, and then up to 72 hours later, after Amazon has approved my book, it should be available to buy, yes, in the Amazon store. At the same time, when I hit publish on the print version, I shall hit publish on the Kindle version. And that probably will be available just a day or so ahead of the print one. So we nearly have a book. And it's, well, we have a book, but we nearly have a book in the Amazon bookstore. And people can almost buy a coffee. And that is very, very exciting. Oh, so many times over the past few years, I thought that I wouldn't bother with this book. I didn't think it was very important. Uh, yes, I wrote it. I enjoyed writing it, but editing it, getting it to a stage where I could publish it just seemed like so much hard work. And for what reward? Um, yes. There were times when I just thought, no, I'm not going to do this. But I did it. Look, I did all that hard work. I've almost got another book. And that is because of some feedback that I got from my beautiful friends, Sam and Pip. And we're back now to the topic of feedback. When people give us some feedback, uh, we are encouraged to do things, things that yeah, could make a difference. It doesn't really matter how many people buy a coffee. Oh, I would love the world to buy a copy of my new book. Not because I'm going to make myself rich, because I probably won't. I spend more money than I do 
earning it as far as uh, keeping things online goes. Yeah, it takes more money to produce a book than it does to earn something from them. Um, but it is worth doing things, as I said, for the people who are important in our lives. So thank you, San and Pip. Our book will be available to buy very, very soon. One more thing and we're finished. The last thing on my list is Marco Polo. Yes, video messages. And I think, mess. oh, my tongue's got twisted up here. I'm not going to, yeah, try again, edit all this out. I'm just recording this as it comes because I'm trying not to be a perfectionist. I want to produce a good product, product, but it doesn't have to be absolutely perfect. I hope my books are almost perfect because I want people to get their money's worth. They're going to be buying my books. I want my books to be as good as possible. But as far as podcasts and blog posts and such go, I think that people are more forgiving. I'm doing this with no other reward than maybe, hey, thank you, Sue, I enjoyed your podcast. And you're all my friends and friends are accepting, aren't they? And... Yes, Marco Polo, video messages. I set the group up a few months ago. It's associated with our unschooling community and it's supposed to be an extra way that we can get together and encourage and support one another, share our lives with each other, be closer friends. And at first I was a little bit hesitant about the whole thing. I set up the group (laughs) and... That was something I wanted to find out about, learn something new, try it out. And some of the other people, they just ran with it. It seemed second nature to them. And I was always thinking, oh my, what do I look like? What do I sound like? What image am I projecting? Um, yeah, what have I said? Was what I, was what I said okay? And then I thought, it doesn't really matter, does it? What we look like, we can just be ourselves say what's on our minds, true friends accept us as we are. And that group are beautiful people and very accepting. In some ways, we're all very diverse. Yes, we're all unschoolers, but we have different ideas about certain certain things, but we're very accepting of each other. We can talk about anything. And so I've been making video messages, sending them across the world. Um... Yeah, what do they look like? What do I look like? Terrible half the time. But it's been good for me. It's been teaching me about the important things in life. It's been teaching me not to be a perfectionist. I'm not in control. I don't have to be in control of every aspect uh, of the things that I want to be involved with. I can just do my best. Uh, Yes, and that leads me to the thought that sometimes we get too afraid to do things because we are worried about what other people think of us. Will people criticize? Will they say, hey, you look older than I expected you to. I don't like your opinions or whatever. Um, I didn't realize this about you. I didn't realize that about you. Um, And we are put off doing the things that we could be good at. We are put off using our talents and, yeah, doing things that could make a difference in other people's lives. It feels safer just to stay home and hide away and not do anything. So that's my final thought, I think. What do I do next? How do I end my podcasts? 
how do I normally do that? Well, I suppose I should invite you um, to go and visit my blog. As I said, I haven't been posting very much there. The last post is a few weeks old, but it is the one about computer gaming. You might want to go and read that for yourself. But I do have a huge archive of posts. Yes, probably 11 years worth of posts about all kinds of unschooling stuff, about all aspects and about kids of all ages. Yes, I've talked about babies and young people, older high schoolers, young adults, parents. Um, when I started blogging, my youngest was seven years old, so her whole unschooling story has been documented. And sometimes, sometimes I forget, but when I'm remembering, I go over and change the featured posts. I dip into my archive and pull a few to the top and feature them so that people who might not realize what I've written, they can have a look and say, hey, I didn't realize Sue had written a post about this. Yes, I might, I might read that one. So there's my blog and there's the community. That's Going Strong, Stories of an Unschooling Family. Anybody is welcome to join. I will leave a link in the show notes if you would like to join me in Unschool Plus. A, a donation is all I ask for membership to that premium group. I hope that whatever you decide to donate, if you'd like to join, I hope that um, you will find the content worth your donation. And then there's my books, Curious Unschoolers, as I've already mentioned, and Radical Unschool Love. They're on Amazon as Kindle and print books. And soon there will be my third children's novel, The Angels of Wallaby Way. There's also my other two children's novels there as well. So take a look if you're interested in any of my writings. So that's it. This is the end of episode 189. I hope that this has recorded okay so that I can add some music and upload it to Podbean, share it on all the platforms such as Apple and surprise everybody. Hope you don't fall over backwards and think, wow, Sue made another podcast. That is surprising. I also hope you enjoyed listening. So, until next time, will there be a next time? I wonder. Maybe if you'd like to listen to more episodes, if you think I still have something worth sharing, you could leave me some feedback. Uh, just visit my blog. I'm not, I'm not on social media anymore. Visit the community. Um, yeah, just leave a, a comment on any post of my blog. It will get to me. I will read it. Even if I don't write a post to go with this podcast, add it to the one about computer games. So I hope you're all well, all my friends out there. Hope you're enjoying unschooling. If you're locked down, I know some of my unschooling friends are. Uh, I hope you're doing okay. Yes, my thoughts are with you all. So thank you for listening and until next time, don't forget to live a radical life of unconditional love. <laughs>